0: This is 2014, and 18 years ago I walked into a church that now has a 125-year-old Baptist congregation. For 10 of the 12 years that my family and I were members there, I served as the right hand to the pastor. I was trained and educated in leadership and discipleship as well as being a servant, and I participated in local as well as national conventions. And I served on the board of nearby organizations, including the Neighborhood Association. That training was some of the most beneficial times in my 18 years of ministry, and none of it could have been possible without a solid relationship with God. Having a relationship with God by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, in my opinion, is the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. Getting baptized and then asking for and receiving God's Holy Spirit are the next most important decisions in your life. Joining a church is, in my opinion, an equally important decision in your life. Now the first few decisions which is accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, getting baptized in Jesus' name, and asking God for his Holy Spirit and receiving it, are all cut in stone. And what I mean by being cut in stone is that they operate from heaven to earth, and man cannot do anything to mess these processes up because we have no control of them. That's why the decision to join a church cannot be taken Lightly. Why? Because there are many churches that do not honor God, they don't acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they don't believe in or even teach about the Holy Spirit. I'm Pastor Keith, and welcome to another episode of A Pastor's Prose. Today we're going to discuss my book Tips for Joining a God Church. Today, going to discuss my book Tips for Joining a God Church. I'll be reading the introduction and the entire first chapter of the book and there's a lot to cover. So let's get started. Welcome to the book that may help you learn to locate a church that has the Spirit of God in it, and can show you ways to help usher it in if it doesn't. Jesus is coming back to harvest the church, that's why it's so important to be part of one. I must tell you that there is no perfect church here on earth, it doesn't exist. So if you're looking for one, you can stop. This book contains information to help you identify a godly church and points out key elements to help you help yours become one. I pray that you start or strengthen your relationship with one that meets both your church and ministry needs and where you can use your own God-given gifts to help build up the church. Living a Christian lifestyle is not hard, but it does take commitment. It takes honesty and dedication. It takes denying your flesh and unwavering and compromising faith to resist a world full of temptation in order to do God's will and help reach those who are lost in it or to help strengthen those who are already on their journey. I pray that you use this material and help others do the same. I thank God and I give Him glory for using my gifts to put this book together. In the mighty name of Jesus, Amen. Let's get started on the introduction. Accepting the free gift of salvation is the most important decision of your life everything else pales in comparison to where you are going to spend eternity. As in everything in this life, there is a process. Once you've received salvation, there is some work to do. That work starts with joining a church. Not just any church, a God church. There are churches all over that do good. But I encourage people to look for a God church once seeking to join one. Some characteristics that identify a God church include being biblical, being good listeners, being adaptable in order to reach lost souls in every aspect of this every changing society. Every God church has some basic characteristics that a good church may not, does not, or will not have. This book helps you learn how to discern the difference. This next statement is going to shock you, but it is the reality of what I'm about to say that holds the truth behind it. There is a church organization, yes, an entire church organization, that has a history of child molestation, which in recent years has been made known to the members and to the public. The organization and the churches therein do a tremendous amount of good all over the world, but the one difference and the way you can tell whether it is a good church or a godly one is in the leadership. Many within the churches in this organization, not just one or two, but dozens and even hundreds, of those in this organization's leadership have been found to be something other than godly. On the surface, they seem to be good people. But when you look inside where it matters, years and decades and centuries and generations of child molestation sits underneath. Here's a reference point for what I just said. There are two leaders in our lives, one in heaven. One on earth. The one in heaven is godly and is the model for all that is truly good. The one on earth is bad, so bad that he was kicked out of heaven. The one in heaven is godly on the surface and underneath. The one on earth looks good on the surface but it is only a mask to cover what can never be godly underneath. The leadership of any church plays the most significant role in how most people perceive that church. Even if the members are raising all kinds of sand, causing all kinds of trouble, the perception in people's minds generally always go back to the leadership. Church leaders, whether they be pastors, priests, ministers or bishops, often make untold sacrifices but also by default place ourselves on the front line to take all the heat, the blame, the darts and the attacks. This is why it is vital to locate a God church. These men and women of God are responsible for being the watchmen of your soul. And if they take advantage of that responsibility, you can rest assured that God himself will deal with them at some point. So if you're not in a God church, and you know it in the pit of your stomach, and in the depth of your soul, because you see, hear, and feel things that just should not be happening in a church, beware. I'm not talking about a one-time event, but repeated occurrences of the same issues over and over year after year without anyone either standing up and speaking up or any change in the leadership being made. There is no growth in denial, but there is growth in deliverance. Whether you're seeking a God church or believe you're already in one, choose wisely because your very soul is at stake. That's the introduction of my book, Tips for Joining a God Church. And the recap of the introduction asks, Did you learn anything? This book is designed for you to learn something. And the recap at the end of the introduction asks if you learned something. And if you have, feel free to share it with me contact me at LessonsForLifeBooks.com A God Church must be Biblical. A God Church must be Biblical. This is the number one rule. But how do you tell if your church is Biblical? By just listening and watching how the church responds to different situations. teaching is worldly, the response to certain situations will most likely be worldly. If the teaching is biblical, the response to certain situations will be biblical. A biblical church follows the lead of the Holy Spirit. The ultimate goal for all churches should be to win souls for Christ. The book of Proverbs chapter 11 verse 30 says he who wins souls is wise. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave us the Great Commission to go into all the world to preach and teach the gospel, to share its good news with the world, and make disciples of people in all nations. The same mission is true today, and churches should be leading the way. In Apostle Paul's letter to Timothy, in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 2-5, to Paul handed his apostolic torch to Timothy by telling him to preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage, with great patience and careful instruction. And it says, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers, to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, Paul was speaking to Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Perform all the duties of your ministry. Paul was telling Timothy to stick to being biblical in spite of the opposition he would face. He was reassuring him to stick to what works because it works. A church that is not biblical is not a church. It is more than likely a social club. Can you name or identify three things that make your church biblical and three areas where it may not be following biblical standards, ethics, and protocol? At the end of each section, In chapter 1 and all throughout the book. For example, at the end of the biblical section, it asks the question, My church is biblical because... And it gives you three lines to be able to answer that question. And below that, it asks, My church may not be following biblical standards because... And it gives you three lines to answer that question. And you'll find that kind of interactivity throughout the book. A God church must be anointed. This is the second equally important step next to a church being biblical. But how do you tell if your church is anointed? By listening to the leadership. An anointed man or woman of God speaks differently than people who are not anointed. But the only way that you can really hear or tell the difference is if you're listening with spiritual ears. To learn what spiritual ears are, or how to use them, you should read my book, God's Armor for the 21st Century. People that are anointed don't act or react the same as those in the world. Their walk is different. They are purposeful in their walk, in their talk, in their attitude, and in their actions. Churches with anointed leaders feed the spirit of the members. If you are a member of a church and your spirit is malnourished, you are probably not being fed. Just like your physical body needs regular meals to stay alive, your spirit must be fed also. And just like your physical body, if you feed it the wrong food, you create problems within your own body. The same is true for your spirit, you must feed it the right food. Just like your physical body feels full when it is fed and feels hungry when it isn't, your spirit knows when it has been fed and when it hasn't. God is the only one who can anoint a church. At the end of this section about a church being anointed, it asks Can you name or identify three things that make your church anointed and three areas where it may not be following God's anointing and rather instead using worldly views or interpretations? It asks the question, my church is anointed because it gives you three lines to be able to answer that question. And below that, it asks, my church May not be using God's anointing because, and it gives you three lines to be able to answer that question. The God Church must be gifted. Gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. How do you tell if your church is gifted? Look at the people. Gifts are responsible for giving ordinary people the ability to be extraordinary. And those gifts enable them to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. So that the body of Christ may be built up. You'll find that in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Gifts are for your growth and for the growth of others. The book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then use it. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then you should be teaching. If it is encouraging, then you should encourage. And if it is contributing to the needs of others, you should use your gift to give generously. If your gift is leadership, then you should govern diligently. If your gift is showing mercy, then do that cheerfully. Gifts are designed to help build up the church. You'll find that in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 12. It's important to recognize your gifts, and even more important that your church uses them. Whatever you are most passionate about helps you discover your gifts. Gifts are meant to be used. The Book of 1 Timothy, chapter four, verse fourteen, says not to neglect the gift that was given to you. The Book of 1 Peter, chapter four, verse ten, says as each one received the gift, minister it one to another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He doesn't take them back. You'll find that in the book of Romans chapter 11 verse 29. Gifts are given to us for use in the church and in the ministry. And gifts can include singing and praise dancing and being a musician Being an architect, a custodian, an usher, an accountant, and even a nurse. Among those other gifts that we think just come naturally, they are actually given spiritually. Maybe you've never thought about using your gifts in the church. So ask yourself, how can I use my gifts in the church to help build up and edify it so that God gets the glory. A God church uses the gifts of its members. At the end of this section on the church being gifted, it asks the question, can you name or identify three things that make your church gifted in three areas where it may not be using God's gifts and the people that are able to be used? It asks, my church is gifted because it gives you three lines to be able to answer that question, and then it asks, my church may not be using God's gifts in the people because, and it gives you three lines to answer that question. Let me give you an example. A lot of churches have leadership where they never move on or move up to another position. They stay in one position as long as they're in that church or in that ministry. So have you ever asked yourself how the people that are sitting in the pews will ever grow if they're never able to step into that position of leadership? If you have one person that stays in that one position, they are actually preventing those people that are sitting in the pews with the gifts to operate in that position from growing. So ask yourself, how can you, and leadership step out of the way and help pull along other people so that they can grow and be used by God in that same position. A God church must be passionate. Passion for God's people is part of what propelled Jesus into his ministry. How do you tell if your church has passion? By the way it carries out the mission of Jesus Christ and the work of His ministry. If a church has no zeal and joy and delight in serving God, you will recognize it right away. It will seem to be dead. The worship service will seem dead. It will seem forced and even repetitive. Ministry work will be non-existent. Members will seem like they are just coming to be coming it will seem like they are carrying on a ritual or tradition just to call in church. Passion for Jesus Christ is what turned a murderous centurion named Saul, who made a living persecuting the church, into a gospel preaching willing to give up his life for the sake of a gospel apostle named Paul. If there is something you think about constantly, To the point to where you can't think about anything else at times, even when you try, you are probably very passionate about it. Godly churches are passionate about serving God and in their relationship with His Son Jesus Christ and in doing ministry work such as feeding the hungry and visiting the sick, ministering to prisoners, helping strangers, etc. And you'll find that in the book of Matthew chapter 25. Verses 31 to 46, passion shows the world that you are not only serious about your faith, but that you don't care who sees you praising and worshiping, praying and crying, or just being joyful about the wonderful things God has done in your life. You're passionate about all the difficult times God has brought you through and all the grace and mercy He has shown given to us and when you see this kind of passion pouring out of people you can rest assured that in that church and in that ministry you'll know it's a godly one again passion for God and the work of Jesus Christ and the ministry that he left for us to complete can be seen pouring out of people can you name or identify three things that makes your church passionate Three areas where it may not be using the passion of Jesus Christ to fulfill Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. Ask yourself, my church is passionate because? Or, my church may not be passionate because? On page 22 of my book, Tips for Joining a God Church, it reads, God, church must be faithful. Faith is the essence of things we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. But how do you tell if your church is faithful? Through the words and actions of the people. I've attended church with a bunch of people who are always in church, but all they ever do is speak doubt. They complain about not having enough money for this or not being able to do that, or this isn't done right, or that isn't done right. But I've never heard those same people say, I know the Lord will make a way somehow. That is a faithful statement. And faithful churches don't have to know when something is going to happen. They just believe it's going to happen. Faithful churches let their faith answer the door when doubt comes knocking. Faithful churches go into prayer about every situation because they believe in the God that has all the answers. Faithful churches don't allow tragedy to overcome them because they believe in a God who can do miracles. Churches are only faithful if the people in the church have the faith to make it faithful. Faithful churches don't alter God's word to make friends with the people. They preach the gospel in its raw form because they believe it has the power to change even unfaithful people's hearts. I know the Lord will make a way, somehow. That's the statement, the belief and the battle cry of a faithful church. This cry should be coming from more than just the pastor and should be heard in nearly every situation where there is a need. Again, I know the Lord will make a way somehow. Can you name or identify three things that make your church faithful and three areas where it may not be using faith to fight fear? Ask yourself, my church is faithful because or ask yourself, my church may not be faithful because... I've read to you the entire first chapter of my book titled, Tips for Joining a God Church. And at the end of the chapter, the recap says that every church needs to be biblical, and anointed, and gifted, and passionate, and faithful. At the end of each chapter in this book, I ask the question, did you learn anything and I invite you to share it with me by contacting me at lessonsforlifebooks.com. Brothers and sisters, whether you're joining a church for the first time or whether you're transitioning from one church to another, do not take that decision lightly. Find a God church, not just a good one, because even good ones can be bad underneath. Again, my wife and I and our two daughters attended a church with a Baptist congregation that's 125 years old in downtown Minneapolis for 12 years. I was the right hand to the pastor for 10 of those years. And my wife and daughters were active in the ministry as well. As a family and in our leadership roles, as part of the church body we took many camping trips every year and we also attended local as well as traveled all over the country to national conventions and I served in the community regularly but I have seen many churches where none of those basic things and basic elements exist brothers and sisters don't take Your faith, or your fellowship with other saints, or even your church attendance for granted. Get it right. Take time and do your research and get it right because it is at the top of the list for the most important decisions that you will ever make in your life. Again, my book, Tips for Joining a God Church, details the basic aspects that a church should have in order to identify as a God church. There are churches all over that do good, but I encourage people to look for a God church when seeking to join one. Characteristics that identify a God church include being biblical, being good listeners, and being adaptable in order to reach lost souls in this ever-changing society. My book contains a list of more than 30 basic characteristics that every church should have, but the reality is many of them don't. This book is a must-read for anyone seeking to transition from one church to another, for anyone who is a new believer seeking to find God, for anyone who is ready to surrender their life but don't know where to begin, and for anyone who is desperately at the point where you need a church change. This book is for you. It's available at most online retailers and most online bookstores and at my own publishing site, LessonsForLifeBooks.com. I'm Pastor Keith. Thank you for watching another episode of A Pastor's Prose. May God bless you, and may he keep you today and always. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Pastor Keith is the author of numerous books that contain many of his testimonies and life lessons. His titles include Success After Setback, church on Sunday, nothing on Monday, transform your schedule, transform your life, tips for joining a God church, and many others. You can find Pastor Keith's books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookwire.com, and at lessonsforlifebooks.com.